Newman, what is going on, man? First weekend of the tournament is in. What'd you think of it, dude? Yeah, dude, it uh, it lived up to it, didn't it? It it absolutely did, and I missed it so much. So what else? What up, everyone else here? Welcome to the Sports Memory Podcast. You got Newman, and Brandon again, breaking down uh, the first weekend of March Madness, which certainly had a lot of craziness to it, a whole lot of oral. Uh, a lot of top teams going down, um, a, a bunch of things to cover, and that's what we're going to do here today on Sports meme- Memory Bracketology. Um, so let's just start. Uh, what I think we're going to do is we're going to give some reactions uh, to some of the games this weekend, and then we're going to do a slight preview uh, of, of the Sweet 16. Um, so start with a, a quick because I think we definitely want to focus on the Sweet 16. I know you want to talk Florida State. I want to talk Florida State. I want to talk the Big Ten's letdown. I want to talk the weird Pac-12. So kind of real quick, um, just kind of want to jump back and forth on highlights from the weekend. Sure. Yeah, let's go ahead. Yeah, so for me, it all started with the first game. Uh, The first game, Florida Virginia Tech went to OT. This was a game Mm -hmm. you and I went back and forth on. It was pretty tough. We leaned Virginia Tech simply because of the conference, Um, but ultimately it just became uh, Florida had more guys that could score the ball. Yeah, I mean, it it came down literally. It went to overtime, so, you know, Virginia Tech makes one more shot, and, and that game is, you know, could be ended in their favor during regulation. But uh, once we got into overtime, it looked like Florida had more depth. Castleton played a big part in that. He's, you know, Virginia Tech didn't have anybody that they could match up with him. So that, uh, you know, they kept dumping it down into him and that kind of led them to their victory there. Absolutely. The next few games are mostly chalk. Uh, I want to stay with overtime games because it's what everyone is talking about. Oral Roberts upsetting Ohio State. Um, it, it, I honestly didn't know who this Abmus guy was. He's a baller, dude. That guy yeah. can score and in bunches. I had no idea who he was. And, and what's the other guy's name? Oh, banner or something like that. Uh, yep. the big, the big, uh, black Irishman. Um, O'Banner. Take, yep. yeah. Just taking care of business. Like he's big and he can shoot. Like he's a matchup nightmare for some teams. So, uh, that, uh, that helped them lead it. And, uh, I don't know what it was. Ohio State, they just couldn't match it. It's not like they hadn't seen something like this before. So, so that that's that's the only knock is Ohio State sometimes has an issue to score. They're they're a little bit like Arkansas, where they have a really solid deep team, but they don't have any studs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and when it came down to the final stretch in overtime, you know, Oral Roberts had the guy or two they could go to, and Dwayne Washington for Ohio State just couldn't get it done by himself. That yeah. was that was an unbelievable game. That was awesome. Yeah, I mean, Lightall didn't play great either in that game, and uh, he had some ap- aftermath uh, conversations that didn't go so great for him. Too. Ooh, so, uh, so, so yeah, that that definitely um, that I I had Ohio State making it to the Elite Eight and losing to Baylor, so it, that hurt me a little bit. I only saw I didn't see too many brackets that had Ohio State winning at all. So no, no a lot of teams had him either losing uh, to Arkansas or Baylor. I mean, I, I, you saw those roadblocks. Um, Ohio, Ohio State was a hot team, but I think again, I think I think the lack of star power uh, was really hurting them. Um, let's stay in the Big Ten because we talked a lot about Wisconsin, North Carolina. Um, I think we both, you know, were kind of like, hey, North Carolina could win some games; they could do some things. Uh, those Wisconsin seniors that we talked about just ended up prevailing. Yeah, so UNC 
they're very big, but they're very young. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think the experience really played a, played a, a part there. But Wisconsin didn't play great throughout the course of the season. So it wasn't like that. I mean, there was no chance that UNC could win this game, especially with Roy Williams as their coach and all that experience that he brings with it. Um, UNC just couldn't find the rhythm offensively. And uh, Wisconsin kind of just basically worked them uh, in regards to that. Um, I didn't expect them to get beat that bad no matter what happened. So that was a little surprising to me. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, I actually got offered to go to this game, uh, and I just refused to go watch a game in Mackey Arena. Um, so I, I, I turned down the tickets. And in retrospect, I'm glad I did because, like I said, it, was, it wasn't a great game. Uh, sticking in the Big Ten, another Big Ten disappointment, uh, North Texas. Uh, again, I watched zero. I watched a lot of basketball. I watched zero Oral Roberts. I watched zero North Texas. Um, what was I thinking? I, I had Purdue winning a few games here. I'm looking pretty silly on that one. Yeah, I mean, I think we both had Purdue uh, just we, on the strength of the conference. expected them to be able to pull that out. Um, and, you know, they they couldn't shoot for whatever reason today. Normally, Purdue is a pretty good shooting team, but this year is a little bit abnormal for them there. And uh, in that North Texas game, their their inability to make shots really came up big. Yep. Um, again, uh, one thing we did nail correctly was Clemson was overseeded. Um, Rutgers almost blew that game just like they blew the round of 32 game. But Clemson, Clemson looked like they absolutely did not belong in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Yeah, uh, but an ACC team that does have turning heads and that you, again, said you have to trust Hall of Fame coaches, uh, you touched it on a lot, just how difficult it is to get going against that Syracuse zone. Um, did, you see a, did you see a Sweet 16 run for the Orangemen? I think it's always possible with them. That's just the nature of the beast. Um, this particular Syracuse team is not one of the best ones they've had lately. Uh, they are a little bit over-reliant on Buddy Beheim in terms of making those shots and, and Gerard. Um, Gerard played fantastic, though, in both of those games, so that that really helped them. Um, and then that, that zone is still giving some teams some issues. There are some teams that they will run into that know how to play against the zone, so we'll see if it if their, their run's able to continue or not. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, Syracuse winning at least the first game was no surprise on my end. Nope. No, again, San Diego State can really score, but man, that two three zone is just so hard to plan for on short short turnaround. Um, yeah. Moving down, um, Georgetown was no darling. Again, I think a lot of people had Georgetown upsetting my uh, my Colorado Buffs, um, but uh, I think I think uh, at least I saw it as as a pretty predictable outcome. Yeah, I thought that that one. You know, I was a little hesitant. I wound up taking Colorado in the end. Um, but I, I mean, I saw a pathway to victory for Georgetown, but if you look at what their numbers look like throughout the course of the season versus a team like Colorado, Colorado is just way more experienced, has much better guard play. And so, uh, that's, that's, you know, they really handed it to Georgetown in that game. Yeah. But so, I mean, they scored 96 in the first round, but then Florida state holds them to 53. I Uh mean, let, let, let's talk a little bit about Florida State's first game where I thought they looked really bad against UNC Greensboro. And then the second half of Florida State, I think, really showed that they're a team that can just turn it on. Um, yeah, I think I think Florida State didn't. I don't think they look particularly bad against UNC Greensboro. They look like that they always look to me. They uh, they tend to be a team of runs. 
So they, you know, if they get out to a lead early or they can get behind early, then they will, uh, there will be a run either way to make the game closer uh, towards the end of the first half, typically. And then uh, come second half, if Florida State gets the other team into foul trouble or if they have an issue with um, their their depth, which Florida State has too many guys that they can run at you, uh, then they really tend to pull away. Um, so the fact that they were able to do that against UNC Greensboro is not surprising. I didn't think that they looked great, but they also didn't hit a single three-pointer. Uh, they didn't even take a three-point shot, I don't think, in the second half of that game, which is very strange to do. Uh, and it's what well, I think the first time they said in terms of tournament history, the last time that a team advanced and uh, not hitting a three-point shot is, I don't know, been like 20-something years. So, uh, Especially in modern-day b- basketball. I mean, one – everyone shoots threes now because it's just the efficient <clears throat> thing to do. And that's what Florida state kind of hangs their hat on. So yeah, it was, it was bizarre. Yeah. So sure. that's, that's the thing that, and I've mentioned this before in terms of Florida state, Florida state can beat you. However they need to, they have the the guys to do whatever they need to do to get it done. If that means that they have to go out there and hit threes, then they have enough three point shooters that they can do that. Um, if they have, you know, if you cannot guard the inside, then they have a bunch of big guys that they're able to dump the ball down into and play some of that inside out basketball. Uh, and then, I mean, if you want to go move into that Colorado game, Colorado in the second half switched to his own against Florida state to try to slow them down. And Florida state just put Scotty barn at the top of the key, let him play point guard. And he wasn't even really dribbling. He was just waiting for who's, who's going to be my pass. And we're just going to have runners cut in and he's going to find the open man. And then boom. Uh, and so that zone was not very effective against Florida State in slowing them down in that game. Sometimes I enjoy giving you compliments. Sometimes I don't. You absolutely nailed this Florida State-Colorado matchup, though, because they made McKinley Wright just not look like a senior point guard. They turned him over five times, held them to four of 12 shooting, including uh, zero from four from three. Um, I mentioned it all during bracketology last Monday that Colorado goes as McKinley Wright goes in the first game when they scored 96, he bait came close to a triple double. He was borderline benchable against, (laughs) against Florida state. So he found himself on the pine a lot due to his foul trouble. So um, that is the thing that Florida state has so many guys that they can cover you. And then, I mean, the interesting thing about the Florida State game against Colorado is that uh, the, the biggest star of the game was Anthony Polite, who is a good player for Florida State, but he is not like a guy who's, you know, in NBA draft circle conversations or stuff like that. <clears throat> and they have probably three to four guys that are probably going to play in the NBA on that team at minimum. So he's one of those guys where it's like he is their best on-ball defender, um, but he really showed up. Uh, he's left-handed, so he does have that little sweet left-handed uh, stand in the corner and shoot threes kind of game plan. But he had a much better game than most people would expect. This career high in terms of points scored. So, um, but yeah, yeah, Florida State. When it comes to shutting down one guy, they are very adept at doing so. So that's uh, so we're gonna get into it. So a little bit, a little bit of teaser. Um, but that's why I think they're gonna struggle with Michigan because because Michigan has multiple guys. But they also had a performance um, similar to Polite. Uh, the only way they beat LSU is their eighth or ninth guy off the bench putting up 21 points. Um, mm-hmm. Sean D. Brown went absolutely off. Um, mm-hmm. He barely even played any minutes during the Big Ten. Like He was a low teens most games, and those were really only games where they were winning by a lot. He played almost 30 minutes and scored 21 points. Um, so I, I think both of them, I think both teams showed that uh, they both have depth um, and scoring that can come from almost out of nowhere. 
So um, I'll be excited to get into that game uh, a little bit later. But before we get into that, um, I want to talk about another point guard that I was touting um, that did not have a good game, James Booknight. Um, Maryland ended up getting slaughtered by Alabama, which I think said more about Alabama than it did Maryland. Um, but I just wanted to give you props because you were on top of Maryland all day. Um, you, you and Sasha were. So I, I, rem- I, I re-listened to the pod and I picked against you and Sasha, um, which didn't prove to be very smart. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, also during the weekend, I were throwing one of my buddies, we're throwing some money around here and there. And he's, he's like, give me some winners. Uh, and uh, I called, uh, you know, I called that out to him. I said, you know, give me the four points for sure. Maryland getting that against UConn. I think they could win outright. One of my buddies goes, oh man, I don't really like Maryland. Like, the ACC had a down year. Their conference isn't that much better than the Big East or whatever. And I was like, uh, Mike, the uh, the Maryland Maryland has not played in the in the big in the ACC for you know at least five years. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's, Mike. <laughs> but, sorry to put you on blast, dude, but that's pretty bad. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot of people that are that are still still for whatever reason think that or tend to forget that um, that Maryland does play in the Big Ten. It even happens, you know, some of the college football podcasts that I listen to and things like that. So it's uh, uh, who knows when that accept when they'll actually accept them into the Big Ten. But uh, Maryland has done pretty well in terms of most sports uh, since they've entered the Big Ten ranks. Slightly moving into uh, you know uh, the conference that played the best, Pac-12. I mean, you and I picked against UCLA against Michigan State. I know I had BYU beating UCLA. Um, but what, what did you think about UCLA's performance, not just in the first round, but also in the second round? No, so, I mean, like, the Michigan State game, that is, we knew it was going to be a pretty close game. And, you know, UCLA does wind up winning uh, in overtime, uh, It's that, which is a crazy game. They only led that game for, uh, for 48 seconds of regulation, and they yeah. wound up winning the game in overtime. So, you know, getting that W is, you know, important for them there. And then regardless of which one of those teams, UCLA or Michigan State won, I was picking them over BYU because BYU, to me, their team in a very weak conference in the WAC, um, who, you know, the only real competition they played all year was Gonzaga, who handled them three times. Like, so there was no evidence that BYU was any good. Uh, they were probably way overseeded as a six seed and uh, UCLA get it, taking them down is not surprising to me. Speaking of surprises, I mean, if you looked at, you know, Duke getting knocked out from, you know, COVID-19 and, and Kansas and, and Virginia, how happy were you that we only got one no contest? Um, I, I feel extremely lucky. Um, and, and I think that, that speaks to how well they prepared. The NCAA was kind of getting hit pretty hard. Um, with having the conference tournaments and having the tournament in general. Um, mm-hmm. were, you, were you surprised that only one, one team mm-hmm. specifically? Um, yeah, it's a little surprising for out. sure. Uh, I feel bad, really bad for the VCU kids that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. traveled and did all that stuff and then they would, didn't get to play. Um, Oregon advances because of it. Uh, that probably would have been a pretty good game too. Um, VCU Oregon. So, uh, you know, a little bit disappointing in that, but definitely excited that we only had, you know, it only affected one game. So that Ex- was, uh, that was, uh, good for on that part. Speaking um, of speaking of VCU, um, what about Abilene Christian, man? I, I was so high on Texas. I've talked about this Florida state, Texas matchup until I've been blue in the face and I'm not going to get it. Um, my question to you, what was more disappointing? Texas or Ohio State? 
I think Ohio State. Um, See, I think I, I don't know. That's that's tough to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think they were both disappointing, but I'm mad. Uh, Drew uh, Drew, who's on the sports memory, sent uh, sent a pretty funny text out. He goes, uh, "So if Texas is a better version of Florida State, then which is something you've been saying." <laughs> yes, I, I've, again, I've said it over and over again. Um, so I, I'm not looking good. That's not aging well for me. Um, the question I kind of want to bring up, um, which is probably better for after the tournament, but I need to ask you now, Shaka Smart was very much on the hot seat before this season. Um, do you think his first round exit puts him back on the hot seat or did his season this year buy him a few more years? So here's my thing. How often do we actually see a coach who consistently is making the tournament get fired? No, I, I can't think of one. What is what is what is Texas's expectation? Are they expecting to be national title contenders every single year? Because if that's your expectation, then I don't know. You need to start paying for a lot more players to come to your school. <laughs> that's, that's essentially all you can do. Realistically, um, Texas was very good this year. They just, you know, it, it, it's a tough conference for sure. But they were one of the better teams in that conference. They absolutely uh, they, get three, they get a three seed in the tournament. Tournament, sure, they do lose to Abilene Christian, who is a team in their own state, which is not a good look. Um, and they lose, you know. It, but it, it to me, it, I don't know that, that you can blame that on Shaka Smart uh, in, in regards to that one single game. It did look like whatever Abilene Christian was trying to do uh, to them on, you know, in the second half defensively, Texas was not able to make an adjustment. I got to this point where I was watching that game and it was just like, what is Texas's go-to offensive shot? Like, what are they trying to do on offense? Are they trying? I mean, to they scored fifty-two play? points, so it wasn't <clears throat> it wasn't much. But no, I was also I was also very drunk at this time. I, I I watched the game, but man, I don't remember a lot of it. Yeah, that was honest. another one that one of my buddies we were betting on, and he like he continued to hedge his bets on that. Um, he had bet it. I think he had got it at six and a half. Uh, Texas to win by six and a half or something at one point. And then it looked like Abilene Christian was going to win. So he took uh, Texas to cover or Texas to win money line uh, way later in the game, live betting it. Uh, and then he took Texas getting a point. And uh, <laughs> well, at least he, at least he pushed on one. I, I, I didn't do, I didn't hedge my bets like that, but um, I did take Texas money line <clears throat> in the second half. Um, like about under the 16 minute mark when Abilene Christian took the lead. Um, Texas became like plus one Oh two, like the, the closest plus you could get. I'm like, Ooh, Texas plus money. I laid a, yeah. pretty fat, I laid a pretty fat bet down as soon as Texas was plus money. Um, so yeah, that, that didn't pay out. Yeah, he did that. He also, uh, listened to me and took us UCLA over BYU, but then he hedged his bet and said, uh, BYU to cover six and a half. And that did not work out. I did not endorse the, the hedging of that one. No. <laughs> Uh, again, live betting is such a sucker thing. Again, I, I'm so stupid and I fall for it all the time. Um, it's fun though. It makes it fun. It does make it fun. Let, let's stick with fun and let's talk about the battle of Illinois. Loyola being the Cinderella again, man. I mean, I was on here thinking Illinois had one of the easiest walks in the park. Like we were like, maybe West Virginia, not really Oklahoma state or Houston. Like, I never thought in a million years Loyola would be able to match the scoring uh, of Illinois and play that type of defense uh, on that team. What, what were your thoughts on that game? Yeah, so I mean, if we touch on uh, Loyola, Chicago versus Georgia Tech, that was actually a pretty close game, which is surprising because 
uh, Georgia Tech's best player, uh, ACC player of the year, Moses Wright, was out. So when I found out that he was going to be that, I'd actually switched it from Georgia Tech to to Loyola uh, to win the game. But then they go out there and just absolutely take it to uh, Illinois. Kofi Coburn did not have a good game. He got absolutely worked by Krautweg. Um, He was flustered. I mean, yeah. I mean, he, he, and then he could I not get I, in the rhythm. I, I, I think I have spent more time on the bench than he did on the floor. So, <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, again, I, I, I brought it up. It was the lack of a second guard, man. Um, Adam Miller only had 10 points. Trent Frazier shot one of 10. Uh, Curbelo had a decent game, but he was in foul trouble. Um, yeah. he, he, had, he had four fouls um, and, mm-hmm. and, and didn't, didn't play his normal, his normal amount of minutes. Um, no. Uh, again, could Porter Mosier be get, playing himself into a, uh, a power five? Um, you know, he, he's had Loyola rank the past few years. This is his second run. Uh, I don't, I want IU to stay far away from him because in my mind, he's Archie 2.0. Um, but do you think Porter Mosier could, is, is playing himself into high major consideration? I think when you have, you know, some, a couple different tourney runs over the course of a few years, you definitely do that. We saw what it got with Shaka Smart for VCU when he was uh when he was there and how it got him the Texas job. He actually turned down a bunch of jobs to get to that Texas job. I think it just became so much money at that point in time because Texas has all that oil money and stuff that they can throw at you. Um but right situation, sure, absolutely. This is a guy who could take a take, for sure take a Midwest job uh that may come open here soon if he wants one or I don't so know the, if he's gonna if he's gonna fit somewhere down south or anything like that. Though. No. So again, um, <clears throat> here in the here in the Midwest, the two sexy programs. One's more sexy than the other. Uh, but DePaul is open. That's the non-sexy one. But Marquette. It's also a private Catholic um, power six. You know they play in the Big East. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Porter Mosier could be the next head coach at Marquette. Um, that's that's something that I'm I'm eyeing. Certainly a possibility. Yep. So uh, again, enough about enough about Loyola. Uh, we'll, we'll cover that up uh, here in a little bit. Um, are any other games you wanted to cover? Uh, Syracuse beating Beheim, beating Huggins. That was a phenomenal game. Um, yeah. I think probably the best game on Sunday, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, dude, that was a little bit surprising in my end. I thought that uh, West Virginia would be able to out guard play them, but they just couldn't stop them from making shots. <laughs> So yep. listen, I mean, if you're, if you can shoot like that in a game, the, some of the shots that Gerard was taking in that game were absolutely ridiculous. Like yep. he was firing from like the top of the logo. It's looked like, um, so yeah, if you're going to make shots like that, then that, that, that could be hard for anyone to stop. Um, and you know, West Virginia just their offensive game plan did not look very efficient. They didn't weren't getting any other runouts and stuff like that based on the defense because they're giving up too many shots. So, um, yeah, that, that, uh, that wound up costing them. Yeah, at Oregon State and Oregon, um, both kind of handle. Uh, again, Pac-12 continuing to rep- represent. Um, I didn't watch a single Oregon State game except for the or- for the Pac-12 tournament. And I said on here, I just think this is a hot team. Like, I thought they were Georgia Tech. I, I didn't think they could really make it to the Sweet 16. But um, the state of Oregon representing for basketball. They really handled Oklahoma State too in that game, which is so a little surprising because you thought that Cade Cunningham would be able to play more a bigger role. They also had some other guys that really emerged when Cunningham was out throughout the course of the season. So them being able to put it on him that much was very surprising in, to me. Oh, for sure. And then and then UCLA and USC um, again, both staying in the Pac-12. 
Um, again, yeah. How much? How much do you think Kansas was impacted by the fact that they had their they weren't they were without some of their key players? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean yeah. That, that that score end game what looked worse. <laughs> um, that that was the first game that I, I just went to bed last night. I I saw even before the second half started. Yeah. I was like, ah, I mean, I'm done. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, just in terms of upsets, uh, I think we, for the most part, covered everything. Um, I mean, we both, so I hinted at it with Oregon State being able to beat Tennessee. Uh, I did ha- wind up not pulling the trigger and letting Tennessee, you know, have the W on my bracket there, but uh, that cost me. Uh, yep. I've I, been fading Tennessee all, all year, and I should have faded them again. Absolutely. All right, let's let's move on um, to the Sweet 16 preview, um, which, sticking with Oregon State, uh, Oregon State Loyola, uh, the matchup everyone had on their uh, on their uh, bracket. Um, Loy- the the run ends for Oregon State, right? Like Loy- like Loyola is just going to shut them down. Are they? I don't know. They shut they like, shut down Illinois, but yeah, Loyola, again, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But Oregon State may not be quite as reliant on just that, you know, that uh, you know, one or two guys like uh, like Illinois was. Um, that'll be a one to watch. I think that's going to be one of the more interesting games here in this uh, next set, just because you do have, um, you know, you do you do have like under both underdogs here, so how much advanced scouting went into this and stuff like that and what these teams are going to wind up drawing up for uh, the rest of the um, the tournament here could be interesting to see. But, I think uh, first one, first one to 70 wins. Um, if I'm looking, I'm looking at Oregon state's last game, they've held teams to 64, 68, 56, and 70 all wins. Do you think Loy- Rod Farver is going to be able to lead them to a, an elite eight there? I do. I mean, if, and again, if you look at Loyola's defense, 49, 65, 60, 58, these are both teams that hang their hat on defense. Um, they yeah, win, sure. they, they win with their defense. So I actually think it's 70. Whoever gets to 70 is going to win this game. I don't know. I, yeah. I have Loyola, but again, I, it's mostly because I know more about Loyola than I do Oregon state. Yeah. Just on, I a, mean, just on a great reason. <clears throat> Uh, Loyola is probably going to be the favorite in that just because of the seating purposes, but um, that'll it'll be interesting to watch that one for sure. Yeah, uh, one game that I do have a pretty good read on is uh, just a nightmare matchup for Villanova. Uh, Villanova's out there playing freshman guard. Archie Diakono's brother is out there. I think they even played a walk-on at one point. Um, Vill- Villanova's just not going to be able to keep up with Baylor's guards. Right. No, the, the three guards that they have between uh, Mitchell and, and Butler and um, what's his name? Macy Oteague. Uh, th- that's just too much. It too is much, too much. Even for Jay Wright, who is a top, <laughs> top five coach in the country. Um, it's just a bad matchup, unfortunately. Well, I mean, when Villanova has been really good and Jay Wright has had them really kicking, it's because they've had excellent guards. They've been the ba- basically in B- Baylor's feet or a Baylor situation there. Yep. So, the being shorthanded on the guard side for Villanova is not really a recipe for success for them. No. Um, I think the most exciting game of next Saturday is Oral Roberts, Arkansas, and not even because it's a 15 seed. Both teams score an insane amount of def- uh, off offense, and neither one play a whole lot of defense. So mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, I think this has a game, a shootout in the 80s. I, I wouldn't surprise me if Arkansas wins like 90-84 or, or 91-80 or, or something like that. I think this game is just going to be an absolute blast. What do you think? I'd like Oral Roberts to get a lot closer than that in that game. I don't see why they can't beat Arkansas. Um, they beat no, Ohio they definitely State, can. So. Yeah. Yeah. The, the difference there is Ohio State can't score. Arkansas can score. Um, yes, so. but here's the thing. Uh, whenever you're looking at these shooting, really good shooting teams or teams that take a lot of shots, like Arkansas isn't always a great shooting team. They're just a team that takes a lot of shots. In a game in which all of a sudden those shots stop falling, that becomes an issue for them because how else do they get their offense? Whereas I think Oral Roberts has a little bit more of an inside game with some of their, you know, their bigs that they can do that with O'Banner and stuff like that. Yep. So again, you know, I want to reference our guest. You know, we had Sanders on here last time and, and what he said about Arkansas is their shooting can beat anyone. Their shooting can lose to anyone. Um, mm-hmm. So Oral Roberts hundred percent has a shot in this game. Yeah. Uh, and then again, night game, uh, Syracuse, Houston, um, I think Houston's D, who has one of the best defenses in the country, uh, can shut down. And I think Syracuse's hot shooting um, eventually dries up. I think Houston wins this pretty comfortably. What do you think? Uh, I could see it going the other way. I mean, Houston's probably not a team that's playing a lot against a lot of 2-3 zones. So this is definitely something that they'll, they do have the opportunity to rep it, right? Because these games aren't till next weekend. So they do have plenty of time on their side, which is an advantage. Um, but Houston, you know, they looked a little banged up. Those games were pretty close. Like, uh, they had to make some second half runs really with Jero, like being hurt and stuff like that. So this is a, this is, a oh, Houston should have, Houston should have lost the Rutgers. Ruck, Rutgers yeah. had a five point lead with 90 seconds left and the ball. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I don't know who the announcer was, but Rutgers stopped playing offense like two and a half minutes into the game. They were running the clock down to, under five seconds and then chucking up threes. Um, yeah, it was it was horrible. I mean, and you got uh, Samson versus uh, versus Beheim here, so that'll be an interesting matchup of those coaches. And you know, Samson definitely knows how to play against that zone. He can coach his team to do it. Whether or not they've seen enough of it or they've been able to rep it enough could become the issue. Yep, yep. And then uh, so yeah, I, I think this game, this this Sweet Sixteen, the Saturday slate is. Oregon State, Loyola, Oral Roberts, Arkansas. Those are the two games that I I think are going to be absolutely electric. Let's let's move on to Sunday. Um, I Gonzaga just looks unbeatable. Like you know, I love my Blue Jays. Uh, I I kind of feel like this is Baylor Villanova. Like Gonzaga just is isn't going to be stopped against a team that can't play defense. I do think if a good defensive team can can hit Gonzaga on on the wrong on the wrong day, there could be an upset, but. Not here, right? No, uh, Creighton doesn't play enough defense to stop them, and they don't have the athletes either. Like no, Gonzaga just—they've got Gonzaga. Gonzaga is another team. They have the outside shooting if they want. You know, with Kispert and all those guys, they're so deep. Andrew Nebhard was one of the best players at the University of Florida last year, and now he's a transfer, and he doesn't even come. He comes off the bench. Ferguson, insane. Yeah, uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna save Florida and Michigan State so we can end on that one because uh, I think the other two um, aren't as interesting. I, Alabama looks looks really good. I, I don't think UCLA has enough scores um, to be able to score with Bama. Um, Bama looks like one of the top three, four teams in the tournament right now. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely have Alabama winning there. I had Alabama losing to Texas. Um, 
but mm-hmm. obviously, you know, Texas is is already out. So uh, I don't think that UCLA can like they can obviously any of these teams are capable of winning, right? That's how they got here. But uh, if I'm picking one of these teams to win, the, the way Alabama style and the way that they've been playing basketball right now, it's hard for me to envision them losing to UCLA. Yep. Sticking into with with the Pac-12 matchup, the U- USC versus Oregon. Uh, they they only met once. They did have one game uh, postponed because uh, of coronavirus, um, and USC won that game by fourteen. Uh, but man, Oregon's shooting lights out. I mean, I think Oregon's kind of in that Syracuse. Like, if you're shooting like that, no one's gonna beat you. Um, what 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 are your thoughts on this game? Because I have no idea. Like, USC's the better team, but Oregon's hotter. I don't know. I mean, USC was the best team in the in the Pac-12 this year throughout the course of the regular season. Oregon really came on strong when they got some of their players back healthy again. Um, and then, you know, neither one of them wound up winning the conference tournament. As That's how Oregon State got in. But uh, Andy Anfield is a pretty good coach. He has made runs before, so he's not, uh, you know, he, he's not unfamiliar with this. So is Dana Altman. He's also, you know, they've also had some runs here. So the, these are this is going to be probably one of the better games um, that we may see. Uh, just because these teams are so familiar with each other um, from having been played in the same conference and all that stuff. So I, I could see this game being a coin toss either way. Um, but the fact that you see USC did win by 14, I think that gives them a slight edge in this game, but we shall see. Yeah. Uh, and again, because nobody cares but me, Dana Altman is lobbying for the IU uh, IU job. So just, I don't like it. I, I, I don't, I, he can get recruits, but I think that's more because of Oregon. I don't necessarily want Dana Altman, but just something to watch since we talked about Porter Mosier. Um, now, now moving on to what I, you want to talk about, what I want to uh, give my opinion on, Florida, Michigan. Um, what, what are your thoughts going into this, and is Livers the, uh, the only way that you know Michigan scares you? So from what I understand – uh, Jawan Howard does not expect him to play in this game. Out and out indefinitely, indefinitely. Yeah. So, so that's a key element there. Um, Michigan, you know, they have uh, Dickinson, Hunter Dickinson in there, but Florida State has uh, Balsa Koparitsa. So Koparitsa got into heavy foul trouble early against uh, Colorado. Some of those fouls are, are a little bit ridiculous, and it tends to go that way. The, some of the officials sometimes they just call a foul on the bigger guy because. Um, so, uh, that won't be the case against Michigan. They won't be able to do that because they're both bigs. Um, Florida state does have more depth in that respect. Uh, and then Florida state has more guys on the outside. I think that this is definitely a game that Florida state is capable of winning. Um, Michigan obviously is capable of it, but with Mike Smith as being the, you know, your biggest, probably your, your most important player in this game. I think that Florida state's going to be able to give him fits, uh, on the, uh, in terms of getting the offense up and down. And you saw Florida State press a little bit more against Colorado. I expect to see more and more of that as the tournament continues to go on um, because we're so deep. We can just run the 10 to 12 guys at you. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm not going to mention his name, but um, one of your friends, one of our friends said, man, I'm scared about Michigan's size. Michigan doesn't have size. They have Hunter yeah. Dickinson and then mm-hmm. they have Austin Davis, who's pretty bad, pretty, pretty replaceable player. And then you have Wagner and Johns who are more stretch fours that live out on the perimeter. So, you know, he, he, you know, he he was telling me this morning, he's like, I'm just, I'm really scared. They can match our height. And I'm like, 
not really. Like, again, you've spoken about those three seven-footers that they can just rotate on Hunter Dickinson. And while he doesn't play like a freshman, he's still a freshman. Like, he hasn't played against bodies like this all year. um, Or year after year, rather. So that's the the thing about Florida State is that they also have – stretch fours they have plenty of them right so i mean if you look at raekwon gray he's a he's a power forward essentially like um that is that can play the point like he handles the ball more than some of our guards do at times see Um, i I think i think so michigan has seen guys like gray all year um you know they've they've seen dante scott from maryland is a great comparison in my opinion to Mm -hmm. to raekwon gray um, I think you hit the nail on the head. I don't think it's going to be gray. I don't think it's going to be your big men. I really do think how Michigan has great guards. They're just yeah. all the size of me. Um, so, and, I, and I think that yeah. is going to be the thing. I think this game is going to be one with guard play. I like Michigan's guards better. They have better guards, but it's the size of your guards that I think is really going to disrupt them. Look, look what happened to McKinley Wright. Um, yeah. And I think McKinley Wright's better than any guard Michigan has. So Well, yeah, and Florida State can run numerous guys who are guards at them, right? Scotty Barnes can play the guard, or he could little, you could line Scotty Barnes up and play him in the five if you really need to. Um, just depends on what, you, what your scenario is. But, yeah, he can play the point. Then you could have, you know, MJ Walker, who, who can give you some, some defensive, at least covering the one. Uh, Anthony Polite, who we've mentioned as Florida State's best on-ball defender. Then you've got Raekwon Evans, who's, you know, gets a lot of reps there defensively and offensively. And so, I mean, but here's the thing. You say that, you know, Michigan has seen guys like Raekwon Gray before. Here's the thing. You may have seen Raekwon Gray, but if you're going to cover him, then who's going to cover the MJ Walker? You know what I mean? Like, so it makes it much more difficult when you have all that versatility and those fungible pieces that you're able to work with. Like, Wagner... I expect uh, Malik Osborne to be able to cover him pretty easily all throughout the game. That's, so, that's exactly what he's going to do. Here's here's the reason why I'd feel more confident if Livers was playing and I'm still picking Michigan. Michigan doesn't beat itself. It's one of the most well-coached teams. What I, I think the Michigan will have a difficult time beating Florida State. I think Florida State beats Florida State. I think I think they they get settled into shooting too many threes, even though they did in the second half. I think they turned the ball over. Um, I, I think I think the technical and IQ of this Michigan team is what ultimately trumps. But I, I think this might be the best game of the weekend. It's a shame that it is a, a, a Sweet 16 game because this, this should be an Elite Eight or Final Four game. I think it's that high of quality. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Florida State beats themselves. I think... I think I, I, I've watched enough of them. I've watched enough of both of these teams to see that, yeah, I, I think that's what the difference in this game. I mean, it's certainly possible, but Florida State, even when they've beaten themselves in the past, there's been a reason for that, right? The, the other team has been able to force them into something that they're not comfortable doing, right? When Georgia Tech has beaten them both times, Georgia Tech was doing an insane amount of on-ball pressure, and they were getting every fucking call in the book because ACC officials suck balls. <laughs> uh, and, and uh, you know, so, so that really hampered Florida State. Is Michigan able to press them like that? Are they going to be able to keep on that kind of pressure? Or are they going to get into foul trouble, especially with a guy like Mike Smith being an undersized guard? If they po- take him down into the post, Scotty Barnes on him all day is money in the bank. Like, count it. 
Um, oh, yeah. And you throw livers on Barnes. Um, li- livers can play one through four. Um, if they have livers, that I think that totally cancels out the the Scotty Barnes factor. But now they don't have anyone that can guard him. They right. they look. Le- I mean, he's too quick for Wagner. He's too big for Brooks or Smith. I mean, I I I, I don't know. Um, Sean I mean, D. Scotty, Scotty hasn't played great so far in this tournament. I don't think that's because he's not a great player. I think it's just because he hasn't needed to. So this is that's the thing with this Florida State team is somebody will wind up stepping up into this game. The matter of the question will be, you know, who is it and whether or not Michigan will be able to contain that uh, that person stepping up. I expect Balsa Coprovica to have a big game. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Um, prediction for you. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to say, you know what? I'm not, I was going to save my prediction for Saturday morning, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, you go with your prediction. Then I'll give mine for Michigan, Florida state score I mean, and winner. I'm taking Florida state. Uh, this is probably going to be something like a 77, 72, something like that. Yep. I, I see. I see this as a phenomenal spread. I think Michigan wins 81 78 with Florida state missing a, uh, uh, a shot to tie at the end of regulation. Um, sure. I, I do think this is going to be a wonderful, wonderful game. Uh, but all right, Newman, uh, that, that's all I got. Any Anything else you want to cover uh, for well, sports game bracketology? I just wanted to ask, who do you think is uh, the best, you know, low, the lowest seed to advance out of this weekend? Uh, is, is, is it a cop-out to say Loyola? Um, no, I mean, they're technically one of the lower seeds. Uh, so. uh, you know, Syracuse, uh, you like them more than I do. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say, uh, I, I again, you know I like Arkansas, um, and I, I don't think Oral Roberts can keep it up. I do think eventually they're going to become Oral Roberts. I think that uh, I think Cinderella will turn into a pumpkin. So yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think Syracuse or Loyola there, despite Loyola being the favorite. What about you? Um, I don't think UCLA I'm, I'm stands a chance. Some, I'm going to put some money down on Oral Roberts this weekend. I don't. I mean, just just for the hell of it. Uh, I don't know. They're probably not good enough to beat Arkansas. But as as we've talked about, Arkansas is capable of shooting themselves out of any game. So, so again, uh, as you guys know, I do uh, I do lead our gambling pod. Oral Roberts, as right now on DraftKings, plus four seventy five people. That is damn near six to one payout. Um, yep. So that so that is well worth twenty dollars, uh, <laughs> yep. in, in in my opinion. So um, awesome. Any other any other brain busters? Mm, no, I think that's it. Awesome. Uh, and, and again, just to just to brag on my city a little bit as I record this from Indianapolis, everyone's saying it's it's been done wonderfully so far. Um, it's it's gone over really really well. We had some of the, our nicest weather over the weekend. It was well into the sixties. Um, which again, we covered on last pod is, is Newman's perfect temperature. So, um, so <laughs> all right, yeah, dude, uh, uh, I will, uh, I will talk to you next week where we will recap and preview, uh, the sweet 16 and the final four. Sounds good. See y'all later. All right. See ya for the sports streamer. Talk to y'all this weekend. Bye.